Happy Resurrection Day, Retreat Church. It is uh, good to bring the Word of the Lord to you today as you grab your Bibles and uh, turn to Luke chapter 24. We're going to dive right in there this morning, and um, I pray that the Lord finds you in a place where you're listening. I pray that the Lord finds you in a place where you are attentive to Him and uh, what He is attempting to do in your life this week. And um, I pray that as many things continue to unfold, that you are, are, are allowing what comes into your life um, not to drive you nuts, but to give you um, a sense of perspective on the world and on life and upon where we are today. And, you know, when I think about the day that Jesus resurrected from the dead, I um, can't help but think that it um, was not like the majority of what we call Easter's now, it's not like the majority of celebrations that we're accustomed to in all of our churches and all of those things that we're missing this morning, all of those things that, um, we are, that have become normal for us, all the things that have become tradition for us. And um, we know that many people, they'll, they'll go to church, you know, they're called the CEO Christians, they're the ones that go to church and Easter only, um, we, we know, and um, so we're missing even our family members that typically don't attend church. We know that maybe today would be the day they, they would come with us, and, um, and you know what, those people um, that attend on church, to attend church on, on Easter and Christmas only, my heart is for you this morning in this message because maybe you are a lot like the people on the first Easter or first resurrection day, on the first day that, that people began to realize that Jesus in fact had raised from the dead. Maybe you are exactly like those people. Maybe you today have a lot of questions and a lot of doubts and you've seen a lot of things and you've heard a lot of things and you're, you're just not sure about all this Easter stuff. You're not sure about all of this resurrection stuff and this Jesus stuff. And I, I think that you would fit right in on the first day that Jesus was resurrected. And I fa in fact, I think Jesus would come looking for you today. I think he would come looking for you and I think that he would walk with you and he would listen to you and he would reveal himself to you today because I think you are at the center of, of his heart, that you are at the center of his mind, that he um, was concerned and he, he felt the need to connect with people that were sad and that were skeptical. He had this need to connect with people that doubted and that had a hard time believing. And I think that this morning, if you're a person that maybe you're glad your mom's church isn't meeting today, maybe you're glad that grandma just would leave you alone today. You, you wouldn't have to bother with going to any church service that you're thinking, wow, this is great. I can actually like stay home. I can actually stay home guilt-free without upsetting my, my mom or my grandma or my, my dad or my grandpa. And, and today, I, I, I don't have to do that. Well, somehow... Somehow you're, you're listening to this. Somehow they convinced you to at least stay in your pajamas and check out just a few minutes of a sermon this morning. And I hope to uh, hold your attention long enough, long enough 
for maybe a couple of questions to start to, to give rise in, in your heart and in your mind. And I want to give you permission today. I want to give you permission to, to, to think. I want to give you permission to ask questions. I want to give you permission to um, search out your doubts and to embrace your doubts and to, to somehow um, receive a freedom to ask questions, a freedom to express your skepticism, a, spree, uh, a freedom to express your sadness, maybe, or your, your doubt, or your, your denial, even. I, I ask you to embrace that and then use that to move yourself forward. Uh, don't just let your questions sit there idle. Don't just let your, your doubts remain doubts. Find out for sure. Why not find out for sure? Because this that Christians celebrate today we believe that Jesus actually historically rose from the dead. And when he did rise from the dead, he changed everything, that he changed the world, that he changed individuals, that we started to see a brand new move of God in the world. We, we, we really believe that. We're not just saying, well, it's, it, it's, it's our personal belief and you believe what you want and we'll believe what we want. Christians don't have that perspective. At least Christians that are reading their Bibles. At least Christians that have truly been converted by the power of God and have the Holy Spirit writing, residing within them. And if you would look today at, Matthew, excuse me, at Luke chapter 24, you're going to see this overwhelming kind of thought that I want to speak to you about for just a few minutes this morning. And it is this, the resurrected Jesus transforms the sad and the skeptical. Jesus as he's resurrected, he was alive, and when he came back to life, he went looking for the sad and the skeptical. He went looking for those that were disappointed with God, whose expectations were left unmet, and that their hopes had been destroyed. Jesus went looking for them. And we'll notice that in Luke chapter 24, that very day, starting in verse 13, two of them, that's two disciples of Jesus, they had been learning from Jesus, they'd been following Jesus, they'd been believing in Jesus, they'd been seeing the miracles, they'd been embracing His teachings, but now they were going home. <laughs> All that they thought Jesus was going to do and be, nothing. They were simply going home. And that's what the disciples of Jesus were doing on this day. Starting on the day that He was arrested until the day He had resurrected, Jesus' followers simply went home. They were stuck in their homes. Sound familiar? But they were stuck in their homes afraid. They were stuck in their homes ashamed. They were stuck in their homes thinking, oh my goodness, what's the crowd? what are the crowds going to think about us? What are the leaders going to think about us? Are they going to come and arrest us too? They just put Jesus to death and now they're probably going to go and look for all of his followers. So they were at home, afraid, scared. Two of them on their way home, they must have stayed in Jerusalem for some unknown reason. At least I don't know if the Bible talks about it. I haven't come in to that yet, but they, were, they only lived seven miles from Jerusalem, but they were going home that day. Verse 13, that very day two of them were going home, going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. 
While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him, and he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. They just stood still looking sad. I I can see it as they're walking along, discussing like many people do today, saying, well, I really thought that Jesus was the Messiah. Yeah, me too. I really thought that he was going to restore the kingdom to Israel. Yeah, me too. I really thought that everything that he had said and speaking with such power was true and that we were going to be a restored people and a united people. Yeah, I I thought so too. And what about when he's talking all about the resurrection and helping people with this Lazarus thing? He raised Lazarus from the dead. Why didn't he come down off the cross? All of this. Can you imagine this seven-mile walk as they were walking? They're beginning their walk and they're just talking about how mad they are and how sad they are. And all of their doubt and all of their skepticism was just pouring out bills on one another. That's what negative talk does, doesn't it? One person says something negative and then they'll say, yeah, I know. And then this person and then that person, it just builds into this great volcano and interrupts all of everybody around, all this negativity. That must have been what this walk home was like. And then Jesus, classic Jesus form. He knows everything. He knows what is in our hearts. He knows what is in our minds. He knows what we're talking about. But Jesus just kind of walks up. Jesus just walks up and he says, what are you guys talking about? And they just stopped and stood there looking sad. Jesus walks with the sad. You sad today? Are you sad today because various things aren't turning out quite the way you expected? Are you sad today because some of your hopes and dreams about your life Maybe they're not quite where you would hope they would be. Maybe some things have taken place in your life that has robbed you of your happiness, robbed you of your joy, robbed you of the life that you thought you would have. I want you to know that Jesus is looking for you today. He's walking with you. And He knows everything that's going on in your heart. He knows everything that's going on in your mind. But see, Jesus wants to ask you a question today. What what are you really talking about? Is it really about the job? Or is it more about your identity? Is it really about the relationship or what you thought you were getting out of the relationship? Was it really that prayer doesn't work or is it more like you didn't get your way? You see, there are many things in this world that make us sad. And Jesus wants to ask us some questions about that. Jesus wants to allow you to search your heart about those things. And as you do, notice that Jesus is walking with you. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. He's not going to give up on you. He's going to be with you there in the journey on that road. Jesus has been on the road with you. You might think that you're avoiding him by coming to church on Christmas and Easter only. You you think that you're outside somehow of of God's view as long as you don't go in that building, as long as you um, don't do that. And guess what? None of us are in the building this morning. So if it was about getting in the building to be able to be with God, then um, none of us are going to be with God. Maybe I am. And, and that's it. And I've come to God's house and he's been here. And since we can't come here, he's just been sitting here by himself. Nonsense. Jesus has been walking with you 
every step of the way. Those that follow Jesus and walk with Him on an intimate basis, they understand that before they were even recognizing the presence of God in their life, He was there with them. He was there in their, their sadness and in their skepticism because that's what Jesus does. Jesus walks with people who are sad. As we move along in the text and we walk through, or, or move through, excuse me, um, verses 18 through, 25, through 24, we also notice that Jesus not only walked with them and then asked them this question, but then Jesus listened to the skeptical. Notice what Jesus does starting in verse 18. Excuse me, I lost my place. Verse 18, Then one of them, Cleopas, answered him. Notice how he answers Jesus. Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have, ta- that have happened here in the last days? In other words, were you under a rock? Were you born yesterday? Do you not understand? Are you, are you out of touch? That's what he said. Where, where have you been? Are you the only person? And he said to them, what things? You see, Jesus wants to know what you think about things. Jesus knew exactly what, what had happened. Jesus knew the reality of what had happened better than anybody else, but Jesus asked the skeptical, well, what things? You see, Jesus is asking you, what things are you skeptical about today? What things do you have a hard time believing? What things about the Christian worldview do you have a hard time accepting and applying to your life? What things? Jesus is asking you today, what things are keeping you from Him? What things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all of this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, in other words, not that that was bad enough. This word, moreover, is, is like saying it was so bad. It was so horrible. And now something even more annoying has taken place. And that moreover, some women of our company amazed us. Just blew our mind. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find the body of Jesus, they came back saying that he had, that he had, excuse me, that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. <laughs> They're like, it's not bad enough that our, that our hopes are smashed. It's not bad enough that our expectations have been destroyed. And we're just going to go home. <laughs> Notice they were going home after they heard about the resurrection of Jesus. They, they were still going home. They, they, they didn't believe the news. They didn't believe the women. They didn't believe the announcement. They didn't believe it. They said, no way. We're, we're out. We're, we're, we're gone. We're going home. We don't believe these reports. Verse 24, some of those who were with us when they went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him 
and they didn't see. Notice that Jesus is listening to the skeptical. Jesus is listening to the one, even that first day of the report of Jesus' resurrection, when they heard that report, no thank you, we're going home. No thank you, we're staying home. No thank you, we're going back to our old way of living before we started following Jesus. We're giving up on everything that we had believed, everything that we had thought to be true. We're, we're going to erase that because Jesus is dead and all of our expectations and all of our hopes of Him are now gone. We're going home. We're not going to listen to this nonsense about His resurrection. We're not going to listen to the ridiculousness and the absurdity of a man that we know was dead. We're going home. So Jesus listened to all of this. And Jesus walks with the sad. And Jesus listens to the skeptical. And then we'll notice, as Jesus has walked with them and listened to them, fully aware of what they think, and allowing even them to express that to Jesus, Jesus then taught the sad skeptics. Verse 25-27, through And He said to them, Oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe. All that the prophets had spoken, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer for the things and enter into His glory? You see, very interesting that once Jesus walks with the sad and the skeptical and listens to what is going on in our hearts when we're doubting, Jesus comes to us and says, so did I not tell you? Have you not been told? Were you not listening? You see, I think that today in the church, for those of us that are sideways and upset about the things that are taking place, those of us, and, and I, I can't really, I don't really want to say this, but I'm a little irked with Christians that say, the government is taking away our right to worship, and it's our right to meet, and our, our right to go to church, and the government is taking, ease up. Ease up. They're not taking away your right to do anything but be in the same room. You're free to worship. You're free to pray. You're free to get into the Word. You're free to communicate with one another. You're free to share your faith. You're free to live out your Christian values. You're free to do that. But I think God is telling us something that we're not hearing yet. I talked with a group of pastors this week and I told them that I'm just listening. I'm just listening because I think that me personally, I, I think Jesus would say this to me in so many ways. Oh, He would say to me, Paul, you, you're foolish and you're slow of heart to believe. And Paul, you should have known and you should have been listening. And so, 
Jesus, I don't think, says this in a condemning way. I don't think Jesus says this in a way to shame the individual, nor me, nor you. I think that Jesus says this in an embracing way. I think Jesus says this in, in, a, in a yet accountable yet compassionate way. And then he says in verse 27, and beginning, Luke tells us, in the beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. You see, they had such a poor understanding of their scriptures that when things took place in their life they lost all hope and all of their anticipation was and expectations were 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 destroyed because their expectations and their hopes were built on selfish interpretations of God's word not on God's word you see when we read the Bible and we read the Scriptures, both Old and New Testament. We come to understand that this world, we will have trouble and we will have um, strife and we will have pain and we will have agony, but we are to be of good cheer as we move through that because Jesus has overcome the world and He's promised always to be with us. You see, that? that's, that's the promise. Is that He said, listen, at times life is going to utterly stink it's going to be terrible, be horrible, but I'm going to be with you, and I've already overcome this, and as you follow me, I'm going to make you an overcomer of all of the things that tend to push you away from me. And so Jesus is telling all of us that these, these scriptures tell us that difficult times will come, but we can be together. And we can be with God and we can follow Him as He leads us and navigates us through this. Whatever makes you sad today, whatever causes you to be skeptical about the things of God and His Word, Jesus has already overcome those things and He's walking with you and He's listening to you and He wants to teach you what you've been missing. He wants to teach you what He's been saying for thousands of years. And so Jesus taught the sad skeptics. But it was more than just teaching. I've noticed that um, as we are taught things, a lot of times we, we view them intellectually. But yet we have a problem connecting what we know intellectually with what we sense in our hearts. It's like our mind, our brain, and our hearts are, are, are not that far apart physically. If you're thinking in the center of who you are, not your blood pumper, but the center of who you are. When we think about that, and we think about our heart and where we make decisions, and sometimes we, we make decisions and, and, and we're, we ask ourselves, well, what were you thinking? Well, I wasn't thinking. I was being driven by my heart. Sometimes education fills you with all of the right thoughts, all of the right information, all of the right tools and words, but yet your heart it pulls you in a direction that you don't want to go. And so Jesus, He not only taught them right in here, but then Jesus began to reveal Himself. 
Notice in verses 28 through 32 what they start to realize. It says, So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as though he were going further, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them, and when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and he blessed and broke it and gave it to them, and their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened the scriptures to us? And they arose that same hour. Remember, it was getting late. But they were now so convinced because Jesus had revealed Himself to their hearts. That place where you make decisions. That place that forms the passions in your life. Jesus revealed Himself to them in that space of who they are. And as they started to realize and they turned to look at one another, did not our hearts burn within us? as He opened the Scripture to us. And they got up that very hour. It says, they arose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. They went back the seven miles. And they found the eleven. And those who were with them gathered together, saying, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then Then they told what had happened on the road and how He was known to them in the breaking of bread. You see, now these sad skeptics who were on their way home to go hide out like the rest, to go back to their old way of living like the rest, to do what everybody else was doing. See, those sad skeptics now became the bold witnesses. They now became the ones that were testifying to the truth, to the reality that Jesus indeed had risen from the dead. So my concluding challenge for you today, if you're one of those that you're still listening after the first two minutes, that you're still somehow connecting to this video, Maybe because mom asked you to. Maybe because grandma asked you to. I don't know why you're still listening. But if you're still listening today, allow Jesus to walk with you. Allow Jesus to listen to you. Allow Jesus to come in and transform your heart. And as He transforms your heart, He's going to make you a witness to the reality of His resurrection and to the reality of His love and compassion and care for your life. And for those of you that have convinced people to watch this, those of you that are already fully convinced, think back with me when, when you were not convinced. But God used somebody that was to help you. And God came alongside in your life and He walked with you and He listened to you. And he, reve- he taught you and He revealed Himself to you. And now my challenge for you is this. Consider how Jesus can reveal Himself 
to the sad and the skeptical through you. Are you walking with the sad and skeptical? Or have you disconnected with them because they don't believe like you believe? Do you only invite Christians to church, which is silly because they're probably already going to a church, at least they should be? Are you listening to the doubters and the skeptical? Do you understand why the people in your life have rejected Jesus up until this point in their life? Do you know the details of their skepticism? Do you know the details of their doubt? Many skeptics today and many doubters today are hiding behind intellectual reasons to reject Jesus. And what is really going on in their heart is pain and letdown and disappointment. Do you know those? Have you been listening to the world around you? You see, Jesus revealed Himself when He broke bread. Interesting that Jesus would do that because he, it was not His home. And when Jesus sat at the table, He really had no right as a guest to take the bread and break it. That was not His place. He was invited into a home. And the one that lived in the home was the host, and Jesus was the guest. And it was the host's responsibility to take the bread and to give it to, the, to his guest, and to break it and give it to his guest. And Jesus just kind of takes this moment, and Jesus just goes and he's around the table and he assumes the role of host. And Jesus took the bread. And you know what? I want to take communion with you today. And if you're watching this and you're like, oh shoot, I don't have, listen, push pause on the computer, wherever you're watching this, push pause, run into your kitchen. Um, if you're driving and you're, you're uh, listening to the podcast, pull over and go to the 7-Eleven, get some sort of bread, some sort of juice or drink or something. And if you're, wherever you are, push pause and go get those two things. We'll wait right here for you. Okay, now you're back. <laughs> now you're back. And maybe you, don't, maybe you think this is stupid. Maybe you're thinking, what in the wide world does bread have to do with anything? And what in the wide world does wine, either fermented or unfermented, have to do with anything? You see, Jesus, when He broke the bread, His disciples realized that, and they remembered, they remembered the night of His betrayal when He broke the bread, and He says, this is My body which is broken for you. See, Jesus has said, I'm going to literally walk through death, and my, I'm going to allow My body to be broken for you. And then Jesus said, this, he took the cup and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant. That you will be washed clean of your sins. And when life gets difficult, I will be with you. Because I've cleansed you and I've washed you and I've forgiven you and I've transformed you. And I've redeemed you. And now as you encounter life, as I told you it was going to be in this world, we have this relationship based upon 
my body, and my blood. So that's what Jesus is telling you today, that his relationship with you is not about the circumstances which you find yourself. Jesus' relationship with you is not about whether you have a job or not. Jesus' relationship with you is not about if, if, if you are in a tragic situation right now or not. See, Jesus says you will have those times. But my relationship with you is based upon me giving myself over to you. And so this morning, I want to take these two things with you. I want to partake of these two symbols with you. And no, I'm not going to eat this whole thing. That would be ridiculous. Um, But I'm just going to take a piece and break bread with you in hopes that God himself will reveal himself to you as you do the same. Jesus, I pray today that as we receive these two elements, these two these two symbols of Your grace, that You, Lord, would pour Your grace into each heart and each mind. That You would teach them about the things that make them sad and skeptical. And that You would reveal Yourself and would their hearts burn within them as You do. We thank You for Your body that was broken for us, dear Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the blood that you spilled on the cross for the remission of our sins. We thank you, Lord. Now this morning, I pray that this is a wonderful time of celebration for you. And if this is the first time that you've really considered your doubts and your skepticism, If you've come to that place now where you say, okay, I'm in. I I, want to learn more about this Jesus. I'm convinced. I, I, I want to turn my life over to Him. I want to become a follower of Jesus in the most real sense that I possibly can. If you want to do that this morning, then I pray that you just say this prayer that we'll pray in a moment. And you even use your own words to pray this prayer, whatever is going on in your heart. And then after we pray, I would ask that you would contact a, fo- a follower of Jesus that you know, and that you would tell them that you've made this decision. You can also contact us at church via our social media, on our Facebook page, on our Instagram page. You can email us through our website, and we'll be in contact with you. We love you. We care about you. We'll walk with you um, with all of your questions. The Retreat Church is a place where you can ask any question you want. We are here to help people deal with the doubts and the barriers to faith that are real and existing in their life. Father, we pray today, and all those that are praying with me who want to receive you as their Lord and Savior, we pray, Father, that you would take full and complete control upon our lives, that we totally trust you, for our salvation. We know that we can't earn it. We know we can't work towards it. We know that we can never be good enough. We can never satisfy the righteous demands of God. And so we come, Lord, surrendering ourselves and being fully dependent upon Jesus. And we turn our lives over to you and we seek to follow you all the days of our life. 
and allow you to transform us and change us and use us in any way you can. And so, Father, I pray a prayer of thanksgiving. Thank you that you raised from the dead. That you literally, in the most vivid, real sense, it's not just a religious ideal. It's not just someone's perspective. You either did or you didn't, and we believe that you did. And we believe that the evidence points towards that. And so, Father, we, as we just are people that are following the evidence, we've come to the conclusion that you did raise from the dead. And we've come to the conclusion that you really are God. And we want to follow you and worship you as that. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you. We'll see you next time.